When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you. So it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcast and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thanks for checking out this episode. Uh, if you're brand new here, I actually hope you hit the uh, subscribe button. It's a great way to keep up with your favorite artists, discover some new ones, know what's happening in the music world. You can subscribe at iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, anywhere you like to get your podcast from. There is a way to keep up with us, and we'll send brand new interviews to you every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I'm Kyle Meredith. Today, I'm going to be talking with one of my all-time songwriting heroes, Mr. Jarvis Cocker. You know him as the lead man from Pulp. He is back with a brand new solo record called Beyond the Pale. It is his first one in 11 years. He'll talk about that gap in between, which did include a Pulp reunion, so there's a lot of good reasons why it's taken this long. But especially getting into the songwriting, there was a nice little trick he pulled with his uh, his band uh, where they did uh, basically songwriting live. The songs were presented in front of an audience before they were completed in an attempt as a way to kickstart them to get them to completion. So we'll be discussing that, taking some inspiration from Leonard Cohen, and, and especially, uh, you know, the uh, the direct inspiration versus mimicry. That's a That's a cool topic to get into. He'll also tell me how uh, human statues, you know, the ones you especially see in the big cities where people get all makeup and they just sit very still until you walk up on them, how that ended up in a in one of the songs on the record. Uh, the need for communication in all of our lives. It's something that I think we've uh, we've been exposed to more now, or at least been more made more aware of now that we're in the pandemic. 
And we'll even talk a little bit about one of my all-time favorite songs that happens to be a pulp song, a track called Like a Friend, a track that was part of the Great Expectations soundtrack back in the late 90s. But we'll start out again with this new record called Beyond the Pale. It's Kyle Meredith with Jarvis Cocker. It is such a pleasure to talk to you. I've been a fan for so long. And it's great to have you back on a record with, uh, with Beyond the Pale. I know it's, um, the paper reads 11 years, but this is something you've been working on for a while though, right? Yeah, I mean, um, 11 years sounds horrible. I mean, it's like you should really have your license to be in a group revoked if you take that long to make a record. But um, I wasn't working all the time. I kept getting musical ideas. I had distractions, like there was a Pulp reunion in 2011, and then uh, I was doing a radio show in the UK as well. But I always kept having ideas for songs, and I kind of would put them in a drawer somewhere and and think I'll come back to them at some point. And then it wasn't really until the very end of 2017 that I started working in earnest on them because that's when I got this band together. And and then I've heard like you, you've even started playing some of these with the band before the songs were were actually finished. Like that was part of the process. If that's if that's actually the case, what kind of tightrope walk is that? Because you could fail, like the song could just fall apart, right? Yeah, but that's exciting, you know. I mean, that was really the reason to form the band. I accepted an invitation to go and play this festival that was organised by the group Sugar Ross uh, in Iceland right at the end of 2017, between Christmas and New Year. And um, it was really, I thought, well, if if I'm going to finish these songs, something has to happen. And I have to put myself, like you say, in in this position of peril where you could fall to your death or at least just get booed off. Or... It, it takes things on to the next level, which is needed to make them actually become real songs. And luckily, the second thing happened. We played, the reaction was good. We followed that up with a, a tour of very, very small venues in the UK. And we recorded all those shows. And that was the beginning of the of the record. Now, did that ever happen? Were you ever in that situation where the song just, it's like, we don't know how to end this and we're in front of the crowd and what do we do? No, I mean, I have been in a band quite a long time and also they are quite good musicians as well. So, um, you know, particularly Serafina and Emma, who were the two women in the band, they come from quite an improvisational background anyway. So they that's been nice having that in the band because they tend to not play the same thing every night anyway which sometimes can be frustrating because if they play something really good and then I'm going, yeah, play that thing that you did last night. And they go, don't know what it was. Sorry. (laughs) Well, uh, it definitely kind of plays out on this record. I mean, again, I I love how it sounds. And right from the beginning, you know, we we hear the song Save the Well, which was also released as as an early single. And my first thought was, was he listening to Leonard Cohen when he wrote this? And that was sort of all uh, actually the case, wasn't it? Well, yeah, a bit. I mean, I've been listening to Leonard Cohen all my career. The very, very first Pulp album, which is called It, which was released in 1983, was really an attempt to recreate the sound of that very first Leonard Cohen album, the the songs of Leonard Cohen. With that song that you mentioned, Save the Whale, uh, that was the last song to be completed for the record. And uh, we'd recorded the music and I hadn't finished the lyrics off yet. Uh, And I'd been to see there was a documentary last year called Leonard and Marianne made by Nick Broomfield. And I'd been to see that film at the cinema. And when I got home that evening, I started work on writing the words for that song. And I, I think maybe because those two things had happened on the same day, when it came time for me to sing it, I just had this idea that I would drop a whole octave and try and sing it down in that kind of netherworld that really 
probably only very few people can sing in, and, and Leonard Cohen was the kind of master of that low thing. Jeez, and it only got lower as you went along. I mean, once you got the You Want It Darker, I mean, that's one of the darkest musical moments right there. But you do it, you do it really, really well. But there's got to be a point, like, it doesn't, to me, it doesn't sound like you're impersonating uh, him in, in that way. Is that something you have to be wary of, like direct inspiration versus mimicry? Yeah, of course. I mean, I think, as I say, I can't really explain why I tried that. But I, I just, it was strange because that's the one song that, that wasn't worked on in the, in the method that we, we mentioned earlier. It, that, that hadn't been played to an audience before we recorded it. So it was a case, when you've got a song like that, you have to kind of think of your approach. And for some reason, it just seemed like the right approach for it. I mean, it's just, I haven't, all the, all the decisions you make when you're making music tend to be instinctive decisions. But I mean, if you're singing a song and the title is Save the Whale, a whale is a big thing. So maybe I was trying to go for that big, heavy voice. I don't know. Well, I'll go further down the record uh, just a little bit. Uh, I love the feel uh, that sometimes I Am Pharaoh gives off, uh, the way it kind of moves very cinematic like you know like a tense part of an action movie or something like that apologies for the broad question here but i wonder where you were coming from uh, on that one lyrically that came from uh, i i've spent a lot quite a lot of time living in paris my son is his mum is french and and i've gone over there to look after him and i'm not that far from the Sacre Coeur, and sometimes when he was very young, I would take him up there in his stroller and I would look around. And like a lot of tourist places, you just get lots of people hanging around, especially where it's like a place like that, that's a religious place. Uh, but people kind of stand around, look at it, take some photos, and then generally just eat. <laughs> and you see people that eat a lot. And I started writing stuff, and then in the wake of quite a lot of uh, atrocities that have happened recently, which would be at major tourist sites where groups of uh, crowds of people congregate. Um, the idea of crowds uh, at famous places took on a more sinister edge and it, it kind of got filtered through, uh, I don't know, I guess it must happen in the States as well, that sometimes, a lot of the times when you go to these kind of tourist places, there'll be, there'll be human statues there, you know, like mm -hmm. women or men painted silver or something and just stood there completely still. Do you still have those? Yeah, yeah. We, well, in, in the bigger, uh, say, you know, New York and places like that. Yeah, yeah you'll see them then, occasionally. Yeah, and then a crowd will gather around and then, and then suddenly they'll move and everybody will go, oh! <laughs> and, and throw them some money. And, and then, I don't know, I just got this, I just, this idea came to me that that would be a, a funny way to um, to spy on people. If you, if you were one of these people and you dressed up like that every day and, and hung around outside buildings, it would be a perfect cover for kind of like monitoring people and, and watching uh, the mood of a crowd. So the song is kind of written from the perspective of one of, of those people. It's a completely original idea. I, I mean, you do that, you blow my mind on that stuff. I've, that's, I've never heard that story for, you know, thousands of interviews, I've never heard that. <laughs> well, thank you, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't, sometimes I don't really like going into the stories and songs that much because obviously they, they always, I always think that for a song to ring true, it has to be taken from your own direct experience. But 
but then you have to leave some space so that the person who listens to it can also apply it to their experience. So I, I don't want to really say there's a correct way to read a song or an incorrect way, because there isn't. It's, that's the beauty of a song that, you know, songs that I love, they're part of my life and they mean something to me, which might be something totally different to what the singer meant. But when you've got a story that unique, I'm, I'm happy you, uh, you told that one because it definitely, I think that adds for me to even to the song from what I was hearing from it. But I, I, I want to pick up something, a little kernel that you had put in there and, and talking about crowds and how uncomfortable they are. Because, you know, I think in a lot of your other interviews, it's talked about how house music all night long has sort of become, you know, an unintended anthem uh, in, in that we're, we're in. I, I also wonder that about Must I Evolve? Because hearing what you talk about, you know, taking the idea all the way back to the caves and Cro-Magnon Man. But for me, you know, thinking about how we're in a worldwide evolution happening right now of, of learning new words and new phrases and how to be a better person. Does the song speak to what's going on there uh, as well at all? Well, I don't know. I hope so. I mean, the idea of that song was, like you say, I think one one thing that's come from this pandemic and, and of people being on lockdown is is a kind of going back to the fundamentals of, of life, of like, well, what do I want? What What's missing from my life now? And often that is just like what's missing is other people. That's a really big thing that we've maybe rediscovered that we need other people to really define who we are. And, and a lot of the themes from this record came from me visiting a, a cave system, which is quite near my hometown of Sheffield. I, I was trying to entertain my son one you know, holiday weekend, and we went to this place called Cresswell Crags, and it's an old Paleolithic settlement, and I, there was a little bit of stone carving on the wall, and as I looked at it, I got this really strong emotional reaction. And I thought, whoa, why am I doing this? This is just supposed to be like some mildly educational field trip. Why am I getting this kind of uh, emotional reaction to it? And I think, you know, I think that's... So I, I've been thinking in those terms of looking back at where did our modern way of thinking and being come from, probably from those people back in caves, you know, learning how to talk to each other without words, but by either scratching something on a wall or writing a song. These, these kind of methods of communication that are really direct, but don't use words. So that was where I was at in my head. And um, yeah, I think that maybe what we've just been through has thrown us back a bit more on what we are as humans, what the basic things we need are. So yeah, maybe there's something in the song. I, I like how that kind of, um, not a complete just, juxtaposition, but, uh, you know, in, in the song House Music, because you know, with an album about communication and there you have the isolating moment, but also, you know, it goes in a grand tradition to me, um, sort of getting away from the point I just made uh, with songs like Robin's Dancing on My Own, even Billy Idol's Dancing with Myself, which if I remember was actually supposedly about masturbation, but still, <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is a reason to that. I didn't know that. I've always heard I could be you know kids making stuff up but uh, I've always heard that anyway I feel like that's a decent club to be in you know when you're when you're putting out music yeah I, well dancing on your own is um, I mean that's something that also that I kind of rediscovered in the lockdown you know I did these things on Saturday nights uh, called a domestic disco where I was like just playing records and people could uh, tune in and listen to them on Instagram and stuff. And that kind of idea that everybody would be kind of dancing in their living room and kind of losing it. I liked that idea. I did that as well. 
it was a nice release from all the kind of bad news that was coming in from every other media outlet. Uh, if you dance and get lost in a song, all that melts away. And, and that's like a merciful release for like two or three minutes. And I think it's really, that music's always been able to do that. And um, it's good to rediscover that because not many other things can, can take you away like that. It's important, and I appreciate it. I've been losing myself in the in, in that exact same way, and in just even in music that I wouldn't even usually, you know, lose myself in. But um, but I've definitely enjoyed this record in, in that same way. Uh, hearing what you're doing, I'm so glad you're doing this. And as I wrap up here, I know we're not rehashing the past, but I also want to tell you, uh, you know, you mentioned like how much songs have meant to you through the years, and I can say that about "Like a Friend," uh, the the pulp song. It's one of my all-time favorite songs, one I've turned to a million times and uh, absolutely love that one. Well, thanks, Carl. You know, that's, it's strange with that song that it really went over much more in, in America than it did in the UK. Most people in the UK don't really know that song because it was only, it was featured on, on a soundtrack to a film. It was like a, a remake of Great Expectations. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of an obscure song and, and um, yeah, as I say, people in the UK didn't know it so much. But when we played it in America, uh, it seemed to get a big reaction. So uh, thanks yeah. is what I'd say, I suppose. <laughs> it ended up on a, a mixtape that I gave uh, a, a girl some time ago, and uh, and now we're married, and we still talk about that song. So it's uh... <laughs> well, that's well, there you are. You see, that's like what we were talking about earlier. I mean, that that song is kind of like a kiss off, like you know, come here and wreck my life. Mm -hmm. But for you, it's, it's had the opposite uh, thing. So that's great. Well, Jarvis, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, congratulations on Beyond the Pell. It's so much fun to listen to. No problem. Thank you, Kyle. Thanks a lot. Right. Take care. Bye. Yes, bye-bye. My thanks, Jarvis Cocker. The new record is called Beyond the Pale. Thanks to you, too, for checking out this episode. Before you get out, hit that subscribe button at Spotify or YouTube or iTunes, Apple Podcasts, wherever you like to get your podcasts from. Bring you a brand new interview every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. After that, head over to WFPK.org, where I do a show Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern, an hour full of song premieres, music news, anniversary spins, and bonus interviews. That's Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound has your music and film news. I'm also on all of the social media spots at Kyle Meredith. Hope you like and follow along there. And that does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. Do you read Stephen King? Good news. There's a club for you. The Losers Club. Every Friday, us losers journey through the never-ending wastelands of King's Dominion. We sink our teeth into each of King's novels, dive deep into the lore, and review every adaptation. Even better, we're always having guests over. Thomas Jane, Will Wheaton, Mary Lambert, Mick Garris. The list goes on. So what are you waiting for? Join us as we read on through long days and pleasant nights. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.